Bless you. Thank you for coming. Uh, welcome to Fellowship Sunday here at FFM. We know that it's tight. The kids are clearing out to give us a little more space. Uh, we hope you plan on staying in, fellowshipping with a meal with us um, afterwards and, and just having a great time. Uh, we're excited about that. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, we want to mention that um, Caleb and Krista fly in uh, this particular, this coming Saturday, is that right? They're here through, through Christmas? Is that right? So they'll be here from this coming Saturday all the way through Christmas uh, as they're coming home uh, just to celebrate Christmas with family and have a little break. And so we want to pray for their safety on Saturday as they fly from Nicaragua back here. And then if you get a chance to meet with them and take them out to lunch or breakfast or dinner while they're here, make sure you have take that opportunity to do that. Bless them as they've been just doing an amazing, amazing work. Um, they're going to continue their commitment through September of next year in Nicaragua, so um, we're excited to, to, to press in with them for the next year as they're there, and then we're praying for Kevin and Angela uh, Lawrence as um, they're looking at Guatemala in 2016. So uh, yeah, woohoo, let's give God a hand for that, right? Yeah. So our... We're praying about sending out our second set of missionaries in 2016. We're praying about starting our first church plant in 2015. You know, it was it 2012 we sent out our first missionaries. Is that right? Is that, did they go in 12? They went in 13. Okay, so I'm trying to give them more credit, but that's all right. They're doing such a good job. So 13, 4, I mean, it's just been amazing the sending that God has been doing and want to continue to pray over that as it's uh, excited. Uh, I've, I've scheduled a trip with uh, uh, Kevin down to Guatemala at the end of January, just during the week as a way of preferencing some of that. And it's going to be neat to be down there and see uh, as they'll be establishing a base just like uh, Krista and Caleb did in Nicaragua, helping at that base that we established there. So uh, just uh, exciting, exciting times at FFM, I think. Amen. Yeah, hallelujah. Well, today is going to start our Christmas sermon series. How many of you excited about that? We've called this Born. Yep. And um, I hope that you will uh, press into this as we take a little bit from media and push things through. And we talk about Christmas. And so as we talk about the Born series, how many are familiar with the movies, right? How, how, many, of you, how many of you like the movies? Okay, better yet, how many of you own the movies? Yeah, there we go. Okay, you're better yet. I got all of them, love them. Uh, I remember the first time my wife and I just stumbled. We were out to the movies, hadn't seen any previews of anything. We said, let's go see a movie. And uh, we didn't know what to see, and we just stumbled into the first born movie, and it was amazing I, I lo- if you like those kind of movies. And I've been thinking about Christmas uh, for a while, and as we start our Christmas sermon series building up, uh, to Christmas. Remember, we'll have a Christmas Eve service this year, a candlelight service on Wednesday, and it'll be amazing. So what I've done today is I've titled this particular message, Born to Give. That's our series. And we're going to talk about what God is doing in the earth when Jesus came and was born, what his ideas and what his thoughts were. And so the appropriate place is to go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and let's start in verse 8. I just want to read this. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. We ask you, God, to bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said? Now today I want to talk to you about identity. I want to talk to you about how we identify with Christ and how our identity becomes uh, what it is because of the birth of a Savior, because of what God has done on the earth. I want to take some help as we go through this from, from the media culture, and so you'll just have to be patient with that. Today in particular, as we look at the born identity and we talk about what it means to be born to give... We have to ask ourselves the question as we look to Christmas now, what is the mission of Christmas? What's the mission of Christmas? What is God doing on the earth? Not just all those years ago when Jesus was born, because so often we will leave Christmas and the mission of Christmas back then. We'll leave Christmas to the peanuts and Linus telling the story to Charlie Brown. And we'll leave it back there and we'll say, now we understand the mission of Christmas, what God was doing back then. But I mean, you know, Christmas comes every year. And the mission of God is still ongoing. It's still happening. God is still working. God's still got something to do on the face of the earth. And I'm going to encourage you this month as we see this. In your business life, in your family, in everything that's going on, this whole idea of Christmas, I want you to make worshiping Jesus a part of your celebration all the way through it. I want you to bring your relatives. I want you to, 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 to bring your friends. I want you to bring your co-workers and enjoy what God is going to teach us about the mission of Christmas as we take on this idea, this thought process of born to give. So what did Jesus come to earth to do. So we read through this, we understand the Bible says, For God so loved the world. Let me know that God loved you before you loved Him. God loved us before we had the capacity to love Him. For God so loved the world that He gave. Now there's a giving aspect inside of this. It's so powerful when we look at the whole subject of the life of Jesus. We understand that he came, he was born to give, and it was a pre-assigned, pre-ordained ministry by God. For God so loved the world that he gave. Can I just bless you this morning as you think about Christmas? God didn't come to get anything from you. God did not come to take anything from you. He didn't come to get something from you. He didn't come so that, that you know, you could pay for a blessing. He didn't come so that you could participate it by your service or something by your due diligence. God didn't come to get anything from you. How many of you ever meet those people that every time you see them, the only time you see them is when they want something? You got, you got some of them people in your life? Can you think of one of those people? If, if you can't think of one of those people, maybe one of those people are thinking about you. <laughs> I love the fact when I think, 
think about the mission of God on the earth is that God didn't come to get anything from us. He came solely to give. He came solely to bless. He came solely to help. He came solely to aid, to assist mankind on the earth. And our culture today, especially around Christmas, it's always focused on what do I get? What do I want? How many of you husbands and your wives do this? I, I know some of you do it. Right, you're in church, can't lie. Like how many of you husbands or your wives have ever bought something for yourself, handed it to your spouse and say, wrap this up and put it under the tree. This is from you to me. Come on. This is from you to me. Right? That way you're sure you know you got what you wanted for Christmas, right? This is from you to me. This is, this is why there's an effort. This whole consumeristic get idea, especially at Christmas, this is why. You wonder why there's a war on Christmas. It's not, it's not an idea of a religious thing. It's not an anti-religious war. It's a war on giving. If you take Christ out of Christmas, you take giving out of Christmas. And so the whole effort is to ex Christ out of Christmas, to take giving out of Christmas and make it consumeristic, get, get, get. If we can remove Christ out of Christmas, it's not enough that we talk about his birth or we talk about all those other things or remove the religious. Let me tell you something, the world doesn't care about religion. Religion doesn't offend the world. Sacrifice offends the world. The call to give offends the world. Think about the world we live in. Everything, everything is about how much you get. Whoever has the most toys wins. Right? Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't, you don't. Don't respond, but just mentally go through, yeah, that's me, got me there. Let me think about it, right? I'm preaching to myself, I have a fully functioning, working, perfectly good iPhone, right? There was nothing wrong with it. But when the iPhone 5S came out, guess what? Hello, somebody. Like, I got to have it. Can't live without it. After all, my Bible app's on it. It'll help me be more spiritual. I mean, when I finally get a hold of the six, like, it'll just be like, Jesus is almost here. We have, I got clothes. We all got clothes, right? I mean, listen, ain't nobody in here naked or destitute this morning. Glory to God. What's the most purchased thing at Christmas? Clothes. Right? Like my wife walked in her closet and she looks at all these clothes and she's like, I have nothing to wear. And I said, how do all these other women's clothes get in your closet then? <laughs> What's her name? Who do these clothes belong to? <laughs> Pay for that one later. 
Think about this. When I was a kid growing up, there's six people in the house. Six people, two adults, four kids, right? You know how many bathrooms we had? One. Well, one bathroom. Think about it. And somehow, some way, all my life growing up, everybody managed to use the bathroom. Everybody managed to get a shower. Everybody, listen, it, 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 it taught you patience because if you, if you couldn't suffer through waiting, you'd just go be behind a tree. Right? I mean, we country folk. We was bush broke. My wife's a city girl. I remember traveling down the road, and she was just like, I got to go pee. I got to go pee. And, you know, it's miles before the bathroom. I just said, are you bush broke? And she said, am I what? (laughs) Now, now at my house, now at my house, I got four bathrooms. It's like heaven. Like, you can just go anytime you want. Like, you don't even have to go, and you walk by the bathroom, and you're like, oh, there's a bathroom. I'll just go. It's great. I didn't even have to go. My wife's like, where were you in the bathroom? Did you have to go? No, but it was there. My years, I didn't have one. Four bathrooms in the house. You can't even find people. Looking for my wife. She's not in this bathroom. I got to spend 30 minutes traveling around looking in four bathrooms. Some people are so committed to getting what they want, think about this, that they'll actually borrow money, pay 25% interest to get the things they already have. Oh, I don't want to pay $10 for it. No, I'll just borrow money and pay $12.50 for it. I don't want to pay $100 for it. No way, I'm just going to borrow the money and pay $125 for it and take 30 years. Some of y'all get it. Over the next few weeks, I want to challenge. I want to reprogram our brains. I want to look at the scripture and see what it means to follow a Savior who was born to give, to see his heart, his lifestyle, and his passion. The mission of Christmas has not stopped. Jesus was born to give. For God so loved the world that he gave. The message of God is to give. The message of God is to help. The message of God is to aid. The message of God is to assist mankind. Why are we sending out missionaries? Because it's the message of God. It's the mission of God. Why are we planting churches? Because it's the mission of God, right? Why? Why are we doing this? It's the mission of God. For God so loved the world that he gave. God doesn't come to take. Now, for those of you who say, well, yeah, he came to take my sin, we're moving beyond that. Hello, church. There's a point where we celebrate our forgiveness, and because of our forgiveness, then we enter into the mission. Hello, church. Actually, God didn't come to take your sin. He came to pay for them. So there's a big difference. Sometimes people take things from me that I don't want to give. Hello, church. God's not out to get us. God's God's not out to get us, regardless of the false teachings and all the things that you've heard to try and manipulate you that have been institutionalized. God is on your side, church. He came to give. 
In James chapter 1, it says this, every good and perfect gift is from where? Above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, that God is the giver. He's the giver, church. Titus chapter 2, verses 13 says, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from our wickedness and to purify to himself a people that are his very own and eager to do his good. Mission. So how do we identify with Christ in this way? How do we identify with a Savior who came to give? Colossians chapter 1 says the mystery that has been kept hidden from the ages and generation, but, can you say but, is now disclosed, revealed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Here's the mystery. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here's the mystery. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Like all of glory is hoping in the fact that Christ lives in you. It's Christ in us. It's the hope of glory that Christ lives in us each and every day. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, ladies? Maybe some of you can. I know some of you can. Can you imagine being Mary for a moment? Those of you ladies who've given birth to a child, you've carried that child inside of you, you can imagine knowing what it's like to carry a baby. But can you imagine knowing what it's like to carry the son? Of the living God. Wasn't like it was a mystery to her. Hello church. Like she's got to go explain to her parents. She's pregnant. But it's okay. Don't freak out mom. I know I'm not married. Don't freak out dad. There's nobody to kill. I'm pregnant. But it's okay. I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Like, can you see her mom and dad's conversation with her at that moment? I mean, we probably never imagined that. And Joseph's got to be standing in the room waiting for his turn. How did this happen? Can you imagine that? The Bible doesn't elaborate on that conversation, but can you imagine her standing in front of her parents saying, it's going to be okay because it's of God. How many, how many of your dads are eager to say, okay, well, great. If it, I mean, in that case, we're all right. No, I mean, it's got to be, a, it had to be a difficult thing. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The same way that Mary got to experience that, God wants even men men to experience Christ in us. And that's the mystery that Christ is in you. Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in in you. So good. So some of us are struggling, right? We struggle with sin. We struggle with temptation. We struggle with it. We, we wrestle it out. And now here's my dare. Here's, are you with me? Here's my dare when you're struggling with it. Here's my dare when we're struggling with sin. Remember now, it's the hope of glory that Christ is in us. Can you imagine the anticipation of all of heaven 
while Mary carried baby Jesus every day? Imagine what heaven must have been talking about. Right? And we struggle with it because we, sometimes we, we struggle with it, we wrestle with it because it's like God's not there. It's like God's somewhere else. But the next time we feel like we're struggling with something, here, here's my challenge. Are you with me? Here's my challenge. Come on, somebody help me out. Let's just, uh, this is what we're going to do. Look at Skylar. She's like, oh dear. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're doing, right? Now, don't put this on Facebook. It's too late. It's already Twittered out. I I can see it right now. He's like, yeah, he gives us permission to tweet out everything else. Right? Here's here's what we're going to do. Here's my challenge to you. Think about this. Are you ready? Y'all not ready? Here's my idea. Get a volleyball. Wear a volleyball all week long. Just go in the office. Just go in the office. Sit down with your volleyball. Hello, church. And the next time, after work, all the guys want you to go out to the bar with them, just say, okay, no problem. Right? No problem. You get there, and you start talking to people, and they're like, what's the matter with you? I'm just carrying Jesus. Struggling with drinking too much. Just carrying Jesus. Hello, somebody. Oh, what's going on with you? Why are you doing that? Oh, it's it's no big deal. It's no big deal. I'm just reminding myself that Jesus lives in me. It's, it's, It's Christ in me. It's the hope of glory. It's a witnessing tool when you go to work. They're going to say, what's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with me. It's just Christ in me. When you stand at Walmart and people are eyeballing you, you just, well, at Walmart, you might just fit right in. It's a witnessing tool. People looking at you and stand at cashier looking at you and you're just like, what's, they know what's going on. It's all right. It's all right. Nobody panic. Nobody freak out. It's just Jesus in me. I mean, it changed the way we live. Ladies, how many of you were pregnant and it changed the way you lived to carry a baby? If we carry Jesus around with us, it changed the way we live. It's my dare. Next time you're struggling with something, just carrying Jesus around. I'm remembering that Jesus lives in me. Because if I knew and believed that Christ lived in me every day of my life, it would change the way I live. I probably wouldn't talk the way. I probably wouldn't act the way. I probably wouldn't do. I probably would guard because I understand that it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Why? Because God came to give. God came to give. Lord have mercy. Now I know how the women feel when they want to get this thing out. It changed the way we function in a world that needs Jesus. It, it changed the way we live in a life. It'd give us vision instead of give us struggles. See, we'd understand that it's Christ in me. We wouldn't get discouraged. You know what we get? We get encouraged. Why? Because Christ lives in me. When we face struggles, when we face, y'all ain't helping me, we'd be like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, we'd be like, well, wait a second. No, I know what I'm going to do. Why? Because Christ lives in me. 
When temptations come, should I? Should I not? Should I do this? I want to do it, but I know I shouldn't do it. Should I? No, wait a minute. No, wait, wait a second. It's Christ in me that's the hope of glory. See, some of us, some of us live as if like Jesus is like, he's got like some James Bond 007 ejection seat in our life. Right? And like as soon as we start heading towards sin, like Jesus pushes the eject button and he pops out of our life. And then, you know, when he lands, he looks at us and says, when you're done, come and pick me up. That's not what happened. Hello, church. It's not what happened. His spirit indwells us. His spirit abides inside of us through thick and through thin, through nasty and through praise, through sin and through sickness, through challenge and troubles. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always with us. He's there to bail us out. That's who our loving God is. Why? Because he was born to give. Jesus does not have an ejection button out of your life. I'm here to encourage you today. No, we're all going through some things, and there's some real wrestlings in our lives. And we might feel alone at times, but you've got to remember, no, Christ lives in me no matter what I'm going through. He doesn't push the eject button. So where I go, Jesus goes. So I'm going to work, and I'm sitting down at my desk. And all of a sudden, there's an email from my boss asking me if I took care of something I was supposed to. You ever had that moment? You go, oh, I forgot. And you start trying to think of making up some excuse about why you forgot. Make up some lie. Hello, church. Now, just be honest. Why? Because Jesus lives in you. I just forgot to do it. I'll take care of it. When all of a sudden, everyone else has gone out to lunch, and you're the only one left in the office, and you're surfing around on the Internet. You know all the naughtiness is on the internet? You want to look at that and say, oh no, Christ lives in me. Right? We go home. There we find our husband and our wife. We're frustrated because of traffic. Frustrated from the day at work. We're frustrated because of the kids. We're frustrated because we're going through something. And we take that out on our spouse. Like, wait a minute, I didn't cut you off in traffic. Come on, church. My wife, she, she has a statement, you know. She says, oh, I, I'm not really taking it out on you. I'm just venting because you're my husband. Glad we cleared that up. Don't change the fact that I'm bleeding now because I got bit. I got to go take care of this. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Come on, we've all done that. I've done that to her. Come on, church, right? No, it's Christ that lives in us. We, we want you to understand. Listen, if we grasp this image of Christ in us, wherever we go, whatever we do, we will have this winner. We've got to know we've got this winner inside of us. And the wrestling to fight for victory goes away. Why? Because I'm already victorious. I don't fight for victory anymore. I fight from victory because Jesus was born to give. It changed the way we function in life. So let me give you quickly here, quickly, right? Quickly, seven ways we can identify with this Savior who was born to give. 
Number one, our vision is to look outward and not inward. Last night at, at mission night, Katie gave us a powerful prophetic word. She had no idea what I was preaching today. She had no idea what was in my notes. She said, the Lord is here to help us move forward, not to look backwards. I thought it was so powerful. So you see, too many times we focus inward and we look inward. We're looking, we're, we're not looking outward. We need to be looking outward, but we're so downcast. We're so, we're looking at our own things. We're worried about our own images. We're worried about all the own struggles we have. You know, the biggest struggle with depression is that you can't stop thinking about yourself. You know, the best way to battle depression, get out of bed and start thinking about somebody else. Go do something for someone else. You say, I don't know what to do, where to go. Listen, the nursing home is never locked. Take your Bible and go read to somebody. I've never gone to the nursing home and somebody turned me down. Do something for someone. What can I do? Where can I go? How can I be used? There's nothing for me to do. Listen, don't worry about. The, the, the world tells us don't worry about other people. Worry about number one. We have got to learn that our vision is to look outward and not inward. Our vision as an individual and as a church is to continue to look outward in that way. Learn to be people who look up and say, God, who would desire to help me, to assist me, and to bless me, is pushing me outward. Amen. Matthew 25 is very powerful. They said, Jesus says this, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick and in prison, you visited me. And the disciples said, Lord, when did we do? When did we see? When do, when, Lord, we never seen you naked. You were never in prison, Jesus. I don't understand. And Jesus says, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. This is the perfect time of year to touch someone's life. Right? Like, I know some of you adopt a family at Christmas, and that's great. I'm glad you do it. I'm going to encourage you to keep doing it. But what I'm going to suggest to you that as, 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 if we come together as a church, one church, and adopt a family, we can do a whole lot more together for that family and reveal Jesus than we can as individuals. That's why I think what Melody's doing is great. And I saw your list. Thank God. Look what you signed up for. It was amazing. And you know what our message is going to be to that family? You want to know what our message is going to be? Jesus hasn't forgotten you. Because he came to give. You know, there's mailboxes outside. You know. You hear. Hello, church. You hear people struggling in the church. You see some of the things they go through. I see it on posted on Facebook all the time. Right? Jesus came to give. Right? You can... You can put a little Pentecostal envelope in somebody's mailbox. You don't have to put your name on it. Put a little green in there. Hello, church. I remember one year at Christmas, it was very tight for us. Early on in our marriage, we had just gotten saved, and there wasn't a lot of money, and we were struggling, and, and we were working on you know, trying to follow Jesus and work all this stuff out, and life was a wreck and all those things. And, and I remember coming home from church on a Sunday, and, and Sunday afternoon I had to open up my Bible, and there was money inside my Bible. I had no idea who done it to this day. But it was enough to buy Christmas. Now, you say, well, you're just talking about consumerism. I'm not. See, here's the deal. 
someone gave. It's such a blessing to learn that you and I first and foremost are following a Savior who was born to give. So our vision's got to look outward, not inward. How about this, number two, quickly here. I don't know why I'm in a hurry. Food's here. So you got to go. We bless. We don't curse. We bless. We don't curse people. We bless. Out of our mouth proceeds blessings, not cursings. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. The Bible says this. Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Now, how many of you are not there? That's why we need the Bible. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we're glad he was born to give. Love your enemies. Do good to those who mistreat you and who hate you. I'm just telling you right now, that's not, that's not my first reaction. Pray for those who mistreat you. Yeah, I'm going to pray for them, all right, around the head and neck area. With a baseball bat. Anointed with oil. Just oil it right up. In the name of Jesus. Come on, we've all been there. That's the way, that's our first reaction to anybody who comes against us to an offense, to an enemy. See, now I'm not, I'm not tempted. Listen, I'm not, here's the deal. Never really tempted to not bless someone face to face or to curse someone face to face. I mean, it wouldn't be nice, right? That's, that's, and that's not polite. That's not my southern teaching. You gotta be polite, right? I'm tempted to curse people when they can't hear me. Hello, somebody. Who do they think they are pulling out in front of me just to turn? <laughs> Slowing my roll. I got places to go. Obviously, they ain't got no place to go. They came right out and went right back. I mean, a person sitting right next to me in traffic, I'm, I'm typically not, typically not going to roll down my window and start complaining. Typically. <laughs> I had a Christian timeout. Christian timeout. Y'all probably never heard of a Christian timeout, right? Good. You don't need one. There's no such thing as a Christian timeout, but we like to take them, right? Like, praise God, Jesus, we love you, Lord. We're worshiping with our, with our heel song in our car, right? Somebody cuts us off, you know, flip the radio off, Christian timeout. Beep! You know, we're just... Time in. Turn back up the radio. Oh, Jesus. Right? I'm praying for you to go to heaven right now! Oh, Jesus. What I'm doing in private, am I speaking blessings or cursings? You know what, church? We need to bless people around us. We need to bless people around us. We need to bless. See, we need to speak words that will make people feel loved, valued, and appreciated. I'm not talking about manipulating people. I'm talking about placing the value on people that God placed on them when he sent a Savior to be born to give. Do you understand? That establishes value. How many of you have ever received a present from someone that you didn't expect? 
like you felt valued. And don't even think about the gift. It really wasn't even the gift. It was the it was like, wow, I felt valued. You see, when God sent Jesus to be born to give, he was declaring, I am placing value on you. The trouble you're struggling with is you're trying to find value in a world that's not going to give you value. You're trying to value self-worth, self-value, self-things. You're trying to establish that. And it's no wonder we're depressed, chewing our fingernails down to our elbow because we can't find value. The only place we'll ever find value is in someone who will come and do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus was born to give, church. To give value to you. And you know, our whole experience together as a congregation, as a church, that should be our experience. When we come together, we should leave feeling more valued than we did when we came. Because we love each other. We care for each other. Because we're on the Christmas mission together. You have value because God gave you a present. How many of you ever seen somebody get a gift? And you were like, wow, that person must really like them. What you were saying is that person, you saw, you admitted, and you were overwhelmed by the value that someone put on another person. When we look at each other, we worship together, when we walk with Jesus together, when we build church together, when we build ministry together, when we go to the world together, we have to understand it's because God has placed value on us and I want to place value on you too. Our words need to make each other feel important and valued. Hello, church. Listen, don't butter my roll because I don't want it buttered. Hello, church. Right? But I do want to mean something to you, just like you want to mean something to me. How about this? Number three, our actions. We serve and not take. Isn't it powerful? We serve and not take. Can you serve at Christmas? What if we take this attitude into our homes? It'll transform our families, our lives. No, 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 sweetheart. No, it's okay. It's my turn to do dishes tonight. You all right, Nancy? (laughs) Doug, we know what she wants for Christmas. No, really, really, honey, I'll do the vacuuming. Hello, church. That's like my job at the house. I usually do the vacuuming. Right? No, one just, you know, hey, don't worry about it, Don. I'll do the vacuuming today. Well, church. <laughs> or I could go to my wife one time and say, no, sweetheart, no, no big deal. No, I, listen, I'll do the laundry this week. <laughs> this goes from, this is terrible. Stick with the vacuuming, she says. When we go to work tomorrow, what if we actually did our job so well that our boss man had to come to us and say, really, you don't have to do everything here? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Katie, can you enjoy, can y'all pray for me? I don't know. Slow, what, if our, what if we worked so hard that our bossman actually came to us and slowed down a little bit? Really, you don't have to do everything here. 
Most of the time what happens is our boss man has to give us a good kick in the rear. Get your tail in gear. Let's go. Hello, church. It's not about what the company can do for you, but it's what about you can do for your company. I'm here to serve. How can I bless you? What can I do to help? Same thing in church. Same thing in the world. Same thing in our family. I'm here to serve. How can I bless you? Listen, I'll be the first to say, God's working on me. Our attitude. Matthew chapter 20 verse 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom as many. Again, Jesus came. He was born to give. Our attitude. Selfless. Not selfish. That's why I'm willing to lay down my life, my wants, my, my desires. Now, Lisa, Lisa and I have this way of, of navigating our date days. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? Where do you want to eat, Lisa? I don't care. Just pull into a place. Great. I'm pulling into a place. I don't want to eat here. <laughs> like she wants to go to the movies and see a chick flick. I want to go to the movie and see a shoot 'em up, bang 'em up flick. <laughs> Come on, guys! Hey, hey, help me out, guys! How many? You, sometimes you go out. You want you go out with your wife. You want to go out. She wants to go to Panera. This little bitty, itty bitty sandwich with a little bitty, itty bitty pixie cup of soup. I want to go to where there's a cow mooing in the back and they bring me a slab of meat. We have this way of navigating ourselves around being selfish or selfless. Rotate our ways around. And so on Friday night, she gets to choose a chick flick. And then after the chick flick, I get to choose Bass Pro. Boom! Right? See how that works? Selfless. Selfless. I let her choose a chick flick. Bass Pro was always in the plans. Hello, somebody. Most conflicts, think about this in relationships, most conflicts in relationships are what? They're rooted in selfishness. Somebody somewhere is being selfish, if not everybody. I want what I want, and I want it how I want it. Conflict arises when I want my way. It's about laying down our will for other people. Look how Jesus set the example. He said, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done this night. John chapter 15, it says this, Greater love hath no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. It's about giving. Number five. How do we relate to this kind of Savior? What's our response? We learn to forgive and not retaliate. Now raise your hand if God's working on you. Come on. How, how do we respond to people who have wronged us and offended us? I want you to understand very clearly here. Let me be good. Now, I've forgiven people. That don't mean I want to go on vacation with them. Right?
But the idea of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. No, we're going to choose to forgive. We're going to choose to walk in the way Christ did. Just as Christ forgave us of our sins and our mistakes, we're going to do that. See, Colossians chapter 3, it says, Therefore, as God has chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Oh, hello, church. Right? Bear with each other. And forgive one another. And if any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these virtues, put on love. Because why? Those, the love is what binds them all together in perfect unity. Now just think about someone. Think about someone who has wounded you, who has upset you or offended you. Could you ever in your mind... Imagine being in unity with that person. See, it's not possible without forgiveness, is it? So we forgive. We don't retaliate because that's what God did for us. Here's our motivation in relating to a Savior who came to be born to give. We live to give and not to get. You know, when we were working on our marriage... The easiest thing to do was go in and sit down and complain about all the things I wasn't getting. Hello, church. And I remember Pastor Rick looking at me and saying, you're the most selfish man I've ever met in my life. Why don't you go home and serve your wife and see what God will do? And I said, okay, great. I'm going to do it. And I found that in giving, not only did I get all the things I wanted anyway, but I got more. I thought, I wish someone had told me about this earlier because I was so focused on what I'm not getting. And all of a sudden, when I started focusing on what I'm not giving, everything started changing. Hello, church. What's my motivation? You do your income taxes. Do you look at how much you made or do you look at how much you gave? It's really not about money, but it's about what's going on. How many people did we help? How many people did we bless? How many people did we assist? See, Philippians chapter 2, watch this, watch this now. It says, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider it equality, or yeah, equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Now, if any of you wonder what version that was, it was the NIV. Don't be shocked. I did quote the NIV. It was great. It's a great version. Wasn't about, well, God, if I do this, if I go down here, if I do this, if I, I'll get this, what's in it for me? I mean, Adam shared with us so powerfully last night about the opportunity he had to help someone. He was on his way to the gym, rolled down the window, person had a flat tire. They're beside the road with a flat. This is Adam's testimony, not mine. It was great. It was great. And he said, I literally told this person, I said this. I said, hey, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to work out. If you're still here when I get done, I'll help you. And he drove off. 
He said, you know, the Lord worked on me about that. And he began to share with us how God had been working on him in his life, always about learning to put others first, the motivation to live, to give. Not about what's in it for me. Someone just needs a hand, just needs to pick me up. Someone just needs a word of encouragement. I want to be that person. I want to be that person. Like, I hate it when Doug gets to be that person before I get to be that person. Dang it. I wanted that. Wanted to be that guy. It was the encouragement. I'm like, Doug, you got to save a couple of them for me. What's it like to relate? How do we relate to a Savior who was born to give? We love unconditionally. We only know conditional love. Let's be honest. All our life, we've only experienced conditional love. As long as you do what I want you to do, then I love you. The moment you don't do what I want you to do, then I don't love you no more. That's all we really know. And we, so we struggle with the idea of unconditional love because we can't imagine it to be anywhere else. But it is. Why? Because it's not based on you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It's not based on strings being attached. We give unconditionally. We love unconditionally. We love expecting absolutely nothing in return. We give because it's a part of our nature. Why? Because the Bible says that if any man, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. It's the nature of Christ inside of us now. Now for you note takers, just a moment. For you note, put down your notes for just a minute. For you tweeters, that's okay, just a minute, just put down your tweeting machine. It's all right. I don't mind you doing it. I actually love, I love going home on Sunday afternoons and scrolling through Twitter and Facebook and looking at all the things you posted and seeing all the people that have been commenting on it. I absolutely love it. So that might be weird to you, but there are people who weren't in church when you were and you were touching them, so it's fine. I want you to close your eyes for just a minute. I want to deliver a message of hope to you. You with me? Ryan, close your eyes, Ryan. Ryan, close your eyes. Oh, okay, good, thanks. Jesus was born to give. His mission, his vision, his passion, his focus reveals his identity. And that is this. He was born to give. Wow. Look up here. It's not complicated. The kingdom of God is not complicated. What's the identity of the the Savior? It's found in giving. Listen quickly here to what he gave to you. He gave his blood to destroy your sin. Y'all got to help me. He gave his dignity to take your shame. He gave his grace so you could be saved. He gave his obedience so you could become righteous. He gave his body so you could be healed. He gave his riches to destroy your poverty. He gave his name to give you authority, church. He gave his life as a ransom for your freedom. He gave up his seat in heaven to take your place in hell. Y'all need to help me. Jesus was born to give.
I'm not done. I'm not done. He gave His armor to protect you. He gave His Spirit to fill you. He gave His love to extinguish your fears. He gave up His crown in heaven and took a crown of thorns so you could become royalty. He gave His authority so you could walk in power. He gave His privilege as a son so you could join the family as an adopted son or daughter. He gave His power so you can have victory. He gave His glory so you could be holy. Y'all not helping me. He gave His portion so you could be exalted. He gave His wealth so you could be generous. He gave up his desires so you could have desires. Jesus' church was born to give. I'm still not done. Y'all need to be happy. Christmas is coming. He gave his comfort so you could experience peace. He gave his truth so you could be set free. He gave his word to fuel your faith. He gave his angels to guard and defend you. He gave his spirit to guide and comfort you. He gave his blessings to meet your needs. He gave his freedom to break you out of prison. He gave his forgiveness to destroy your guilt. He gave his authority so you could walk on the devil. He gave you his covenant to secure your future. He gave you the gifts of the Spirit so you could minister. It's Christmas church! Jesus came to give! Man, I love preaching. He came to give. He gave you love and you didn't deserve it. He gave you faith so you could believe. He gave you strength so you'll overcome. Come on up here, Katie. Come on. Come play with me. He gave you joy to brighten your day. He gave you the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower you. He gave his ability so you could perform miracles. He gave you his church so you'd have family. I want you to love church. He gave you life so you would never thirst. He willingly gave himself on the cross. So you'd be free from sin. He gave you his anointing to teach you all things. Jesus gave it all. It's Christmas. Wow. He gave it up. He paid it all. He took your place. He took my place. He took your sin. He took my sin. He took your sickness. Took your poverty, took your shame. And he said, I'm going to take it all. Because I'm a giver, I'm going to give you myself. Come on, church, it's not a fair trade. It's not a fair trade that Jesus took my brokenness and gave me himself. point. The kids are coming in and they're getting settled and we're going to take communion. 
church. Um, looks like just Rod and uh, uh, Doug and Mike, come on up with me. What's back there? Jesus gave it all. He was born to give, church. God, he's born to give. He gave it all so that he could have a relationship with us. And it's Christmas. It's so good, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for tomorrow to be Christmas. I'm ready to open some presents already, man, because this whole aspect, it's not about the getting. It's about understanding and receiving. Amen. The idea that he came to give. To participate in that with him. Will you stand with me as we pray? I'm going to ask the ushers to come and they're going to pass out the elements. And as they pass out the elements, I want us to pray that God will be good to us, that we'll understand just exactly who He is and what's going on. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be the ushers. They're probably busy with the kids, and that's a good thing. I'm grateful that our ushers take the idea of the care of our kids so, so powerfully to make sure they're safe. Just pass them down. Yep. I want you to think about this as the elements are being passed out. That's Fifth Sunday, and we always take communion together on Fifth Sunday. And it's a time of remembering. But even as we look to this, and we start our Christmas celebration, like this week we'll decorate the the sanctuary, and we're going to be excited about all the things that will take place. There's no doubt you're decorating your house. I want you to remember that Jesus was born to give. And that he lives inside of you. Everybody say, he lives in me. Come on, let's say it again. Everybody say it, he lives in me. remember that we are carrying the one who has come to be born to give and so we should be givers and so I want to pray Father thank you Lord Jesus for your goodness thank you for this message as we kick off Lord our Christmas celebration where we count down the days not to the day of getting gifts, but to the day of remembering the greatest gift that was ever given, the one who was born to give. So today we do that, Lord, not only with a sermon, but we do it with communion. So Lord, as a church, we posture our hearts and lives before you. We say, God, start in us fresh and new. Let this year be amazing. Let it be for your glory and your honor. Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Communion is special to us here at FFM. We do it together four times a year as a family. We leave whether your children are old enough to do it, up to you. We expect you as parents to let the church partner with you, not to take your role in expressing when they're ready.
We also say this to you this morning. If you're not ready to take communion, no one's going to look down on you if you don't. Right? No one. We will pray with you. We want to make sure that our hearts are postured properly before the Lord. The Bible in 1 Corinthians says this. Whoever eats and drinks the bread, drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily in a manner, will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Well, anyone who drinks and eats without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment to himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves, we truly would not be judged. When we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. We're going to posture our hearts for just a moment before the Lord. Amen. Let you spend a moment to just say, Father, touch me. Have your way. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. I stand before you with this great people, your people. We say today, Lord, we love you. As we come to this moment of remembering what you did for us. Lord, we can't remember the end without understanding the beginning. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord, for coming to be born to give. Lord, we just say right now as a people, forgive us, Lord, for any sins gone, known or unknown. Wash them as far as the east is from the west. Never do you remember it again. Let the cleansing flood of your great grace flow over us, God. And posture our hearts, God, to stand before you, Lord. People who discern your body with great care and great humility. And Lord, we say thank you for your cleansing, God, for your mercies are new every morning. We say thank you for your washing, Lord. Thank you for your renewing, God. We say thank you. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Now the Bible says, in uh, thank you first corinthians for i received from the lord what i also delivered to you that the lord jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, brother. Let's hold up the element. Doug's going to pray over the bread for us. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for all that you've done. We're grateful for your body that you, you broke for us. Our bodies are pretty important. 
and you laid it all out. We do this in remembrance of you for the great sacrifice that you paid for us, and we're grateful. And we just thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake. Paul says, in the same way, also he took the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Hold up the cup as Mike prays over it. Lord Jesus, this morning we are thankful for for your blood that uh, you were willing to shed to wash away our sins. We thank you for your blood that was willing to give us victory, Lord, victory in you. We thank you for your sacrifice. It's because you gave, Lord, that we want to model you. We want to do this in remembrance of you. Yes. We just thank you and praise you for your goodness and faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sparchate. Hallelujah. Every time we get the opportunity to take communion together, I always think about what it must have been like at what we call the Last Supper. That Jesus knew that there was one more thing needed to join them together, and it was that intimate, intimate moment. So when we take communion, not only does it reconnect us with God, but it connects us with each other. As a church, as a family, as people, you have value. You have great value. Amen? God has called you to this place to make a difference. He's called you to this community to make a difference. He's called us to make a difference in the world. And church, we see God doing it. And we need to be united more than ever. And so this is a great time as we think about Christmas. Reuniting our hearts and lives together. Amen. And so communion has been taken and fellowship food has been prepared. And I just want to pray over that for us as we dismiss. Father, today, thank you for this word. God, thank you for your many good and great things to us. Thank you for our church. Thank you for what you're doing among us. And Lord, we pray today that as we sit down and fellowship over a meal, that it would be that koinonia fellowship that you talk about. How would you bless it? Bless our fellowship over it. Bless the food to give us nourishment to continue to do your will. Lord, bless the hands that have been prepared it as we bless them today. We thank you for our worship team, God. So, Lord, we start off the Christmas season celebrating the fact that you were born to give. We give you great praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, give the Lord a hand of praise. Turn around and tell somebody you have value. All right, we're going to stack these chairs.